right now we can cash. Bitch, now I'm tryna slide Frankie is in his calling Hit my phone in the morning I need more drugs, more love Serotonin up Bad bitch, you tryna fuck Bitch, now I'm in the mud Fuck it, I'm sipping muddy Fuck it, I'm riding dirty She know she wanna fuck me Slide out, I'm in the cutty Melody's talking to me Niggas be on that weird shit Fanboy ain't on that quick shit Discover me Who is he? I don't know Who is he? Who is she? Make a weed my phone when she horny, take it down to the setup. My bitch, you suck my nutter. Talking about how she love me. She's been shot back and funny. Depression hitting me early. We smoke all in the morning. Hey, yeah, right now we do. We smoke all in the morning, man. Gang shit. Shit, we smoking right now. Gas like I'm a nature boy, cause it come from nature boy I get that green like nature boy, crack a cola with my boys All this law make hella noise, ball like I don't have a choice But I don't never practice, ayy I smoke gas like I'm a nature boy, cause it come from nature boy Get the green like nature boy, crack a cola with my boys All this law make hella noise, ball like I don't have a choice But I don't never practice, but I don't never practice But I don't never practice, ayy Over bitches, cop a big house with my whip in the kitchen. Look at my wrist and I whip in the kitchen. They cover your eyes and my diamonds is pussy. Screaming, she love me. I just put the tip in it. So fucking hard, so I think I'm a spaz. She fell on my box as a pin on attack. I'm not a game, so I could never lag. Bitches play games, then throwing the flag. I drop a track, didn't know how to act. If I was dead, then we bringing it back. Go trying to spark and he asked me to match. But I think Bunny, he don't gotta act. Spin on the show, would you hide in his stats? Interest has mission, I'm gone in a flash. Hey.
Steady rolling booth now. Pull up on your block, bitch. You steady riding coops now. Pull up on your block. Pull up, pull up on your block. Yeah, I be smoking dope, blowing pressure out the roof now. Remember rolling switches now. Steady rolling booth now. Pull up on your block, bitch. We steady riding coops now. Pull up on your block. Pull up, pull up. Bitch, I'm Mr. Clean. Fuck my jello. Bitch. 
bitches off the glass Like she's Cinderella She just want the cash She's mozzarella But I ain't got no feather pockets looking salmonella Sap, ooh, huh? What? What? Yeah, you can call me Krispy Kreme. How my cream hit a face, ayy. It's the Mac of bitch that I got moves and pace, ayy. How you run this shit and you can't even keep the pace, ooh, huh? What? And you thought that I was local till I popped up in Winnet. Got some hoes in South Atlanta, got some hoes in North Quebec, got some hoes in Oklahoma that's gon' give a nigga neck, ooh, huh? 
Flip the set, tick dick. Huh? John Water, where I flex. Ayy, and your bitch, you wanna sex. Ooh, huh? And your sister, yeah, she next. Ooh, Nike socks, cause I'm running to the chick. She got a Nike headband, cause her head get rejects. Ayy, niggas think they thugs, but they really suspect. I done dropped five tapes and I ain't seen my best yet. Ooh, damn. Now I duck and die. She only get happy for the front. I just duck and die. 
play for the Dodgers. Man, these niggas be flogging. Man, they don't, man, they don't want no problems. And I came with the pack. Dressed in all black. Now this ain't for fashion. Just had no time to match. Just had no time to match. With all of you niggas. OG serving baptism. To all of you niggas. Text your ass by 85 for an eighth. Y'all of these wiggas. And I heard y'all still ain't paying for beats. Y'all of these niggas. You niggas so late. Bury your supreme little faith. Keep it wet like late. Like Adobe, hey, bitch, I'm hot like wasabi. Smoking gas in the lobby, skirt off Ricky Bobby. Smoking blunts is a hobby. Looking dogs catch a trolley. Side bitch working. Welcome to Club Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always... Your inner Welcome to the Crowd Sunday Edition. Hi. Hi. Oh, Hermit's here. Hi. What up? Yo. <laughs> Cisco Stew. Oh. Very nice. Um. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, we're doing another Sunday stream. Just let everybody kind of come on and they come on. Um. We're just going to have, a look, I guess, a normal sort of a relaxed conversation. Maybe expand a little bit on our um, theme from last week and talk a little bit about some people from 0x00sec, which some I believe are planning to come on. So we'll see what happens with them, too. And, uh, oh, where's Payne? I still see it on to come in. Um, one second. So, um, yeah. How's everyone doing today on Sunday or Monday actually? Mm, it's the uh, Australian InfoSec commute to work time. So um, a lot of people are going to be arriving at their desks in about an hour's time and uh, starting their, their InfoSec weekend home. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, I don't know. So you've been working this for a long time. So I guess, how do you usually start out your week as an uh, InfoSec professional? In bed. Making fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> Posting memes on Twitter. Yeah, I think uh, Monday morning is generally kind of like, okay, let's see what happened on the weekend. Was there any incidents? Like, uh, I normally check most of the mailing lists, like, at least, like, read the headers, um, like, the subject lines over the weekend, and then, um, you know, see if there's been any anything that happened that was important. Um, and trying not to, 
you know, get too too deep first thing Monday morning, wait until, uh, you know, the coffee's kicked in before you actually start opening up any terminals, really. Anything other than the IRCs. Perpetually <laughs> connected to. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like different people approach it all differently for Monday's things, but it's good to see, or interesting to see people's different work habits because it's like, as someone that's pretty new to like the tech field overall, I feel like, I don't know how to sometimes approach like a Monday morning, like am I supposed to just immediately start coding or like what? <laughs> like, am I supposed to like, you know, go to mad meetings or I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, well, dude, mon- Monday morning is definitely always like the best time to write bugs. Like just straight up, fuck it up. Just wake up. Break shit, and then now you've got your weeks. You got a week full of uh, so like then you can have like your 11 a.m. Um, uh, agile meeting, and you can just put all your all your bugs that you made on Monday morning on the on the board for the next two week sprint. So yeah, DevOps at all. Um, so how are you guys doing? Read me or read me. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm good, man. I remember Monday mornings <clears throat> when I was in the uh, like tech support kind of role were just they were just the worst, you know. It was just it was just the worst thing Monday morning because you know everyone had been sending emails over the weekend and there's this like list, you know, prioritize like you know what fire to put out first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No fun, but I've I've been uh, I've been messing with my drone all day. I uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't uh, I haven't flown it all um, winter. Uh, it's a D, uh, DJI Phantom uh, Four Pro, so mm-hmm. I, I got it out and updated all the firmware. Flew around a little bit, and you know I'm gonna do some do some flying. Take some pictures here in the next next couple of days. Should be fun. That's cool. I have not played with a drone at all before, surprisingly. I have a little mini helicopter, but that's it. <laughs> um, I got a I got like a one of the really cheap drones from like the the fun fun bags when you get when you go to a, a stupid corporate conference and um they gave out these shitty drones and um I, I calibrated it like about a billion times, but it would just never fly like flat ever. Um, so after learning how to hold the like the stick in the right spot to make it fly flat, um, I managed to start flying around my apartment and making do flips and shit. But the battery life is like three minutes. And it's like a really? charge. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the shittest drone you can buy. A Cinco product. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Battery life on the on the DJI is probably like a half hour. You know, solid flying around, taking taking video. Yeah, we have one that we uh, we take away with us, um, and it it goes pretty hard. But um, it I don't know. Is there a legal uh, height limit that you guys can? I don't know what it is in the states. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it's four four hundred feet um, maximum uh, is is like that's that's pretty pretty much standard, and um, you know you 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 have to be aware of the airspace 
in in your area yeah i've got these um in, in america you can buy these uh uh faa sectional maps that are you know they'll show a big chunk of of the, of the country and show you all the the different restrictions on the airspace so you know as long as you keep it under 400 feet and you're aware you know that you're in a place where you're allowed to fly i mean that's that's pretty much it yeah for sure there's um it's funny i was uh where i used to live um in the city in my old apartment uh there was some military training of some kind going on and um it was there was two buildings across from us where we could see the rooftop and they were doing uh basically uh black hawks were coming in um in sort of the i guess it was a mid-afternoon early afternoon mid-afternoon and um like four guys would like lapel out of the fucking black hawk onto the roof of the building and um then they would like I don't know, get some more guys come down, do it again, do it again. And they're doing it for quite a while, you know, just training exercise shit. And um, it looked pretty funny. So I went out on, onto the balcony with like an Xbox controller, like pretend like I was controlling it all the <laughs> yeah. you know, like, waving at us and shit. It was like the best drone ever. Video games, IRL. Yeah, you have to be really careful, obviously, of like um, aircraft um, in, in the area. I live I live by an airport um and I it's 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 pretty bad like I probably shouldn't ever really fly air but I do um because I mean these things will fuck up a a plane you know especially one as big as this like it would definitely destroy a fucking engine have you seen those videos where they fire like I think uh it's Rolls-Royce uh and they fire chickens out of like like lemon launches the kind like like huge you know launches that they that you something out of you you'd find in the anarchist cookbook or whatever but like bigger and um they fire frozen chickens into the engines of uh that go on on commercial aircraft just to see what happens when they hit pigeons didn't mythbusters do that uh i don't know I mean, it probably destroys it, right? I mean, or no? Well, there's a tolerance. Like, they have to be able. They have to be able to, like, you know, take so many pigeons before it gives. Like, it has to be able to shred pigeons. Pigeon threshold. Angry, Angry Birds IRL. (laughs) That's actually really true. That's sick. Oh, Ingers. So has anybody learned anything new or cool about counter surveillance or anti forensics since last week? I actually looked on the Wikipedia page for uh counter surveillance. There's some interesting like stuff that like topics that we just didn't even get to. There's quite a bit of stuff. And I think a lot of things that we're uh we're not super versed on as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting when we when you broach like the more broad topics to see like, you know, what we what are the limits of our knowledge are because you realize like how wide the, like this entire field of like i guess security surveillance and everything actually is it's like there's always going to be newer things that we've never seen before and then somehow like legacy 
things that have been developed forever that you never knew were even a field. You know, it's just it's always like cool to see, and even to see people who are like much more experienced, like you, able to like learn from this kind of a discourse that we have about it. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, so like on on the Wikipedia article, they they've split it up into electronic countermeasures, countermeasures, software countermeasures, and and human countermeasures. But when you look at it, like I guess we sort of cover all of them in a way, one way or another, like a little bit of one, like a little bit of all of them. Um, each, it's kind of it's it's weird. It'd be nice to get someone on the show who's doing like real, um, like threat, threat intelligence, uh, at, you know, attribution and stuff. That would be, I'd definitely like to hear, you know, some like real high level, you know, APT sort of uh, strategy stuff. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I had some, uh, I had some new balls working on on the weekend. Um, basically, uh, it's a WordPress um like i guess it i guess you'd have to call it malware i mean i didn't i'm not real big on the wordpress scene and and haven't been for some you know for a long time but um it uh basically i like i didn't even find the vector it came in because i didn't give a shit i was just kind of like oh, i'll just i'll just clean this thing out and just uh patch it and and do a static export from the cms onto like s3 and Put the CMS off the internet or whatever, you know, like fuck, fuck WordPress, like I know what we're gonna do with this. But once I actually got in and um, I found like a dropper that was uh, like base sixty four encoded PHP. Then I used a key um, that it got from somewhere, so I was able to pull that um, from logs, and then um, it basically just enumerated like themes, plugins, all this shit, and just inserted itself everywhere. And then it had um, like phone homes and stuff. Um, and a couple of different ways as well. I was using a couple of different things. Like, so if you if you disable like um, remote, um, well, I can't remember what the PHP option is, but when you, when you call file uh, get contents, you can remove, like you can disable calling uh, remote files and stuff like that. Um, so that you're forced to use curl or whatever, and add like all these different um, different methods. So like, if curl's not available, then try and use that, and if that's not available, try and use this, and all this, this all this kind of stuff. And then yeah. you finish with the phone home. And I, I can't believe like it's, it's just so weird to me that somebody puts so much effort into like like some like into WordPress malware. Like it, what at that <laughs> point, why didn't they just root the box? Like yeah, right. It just seems like this whole, uh, it's like a whole user land persistence thing that's just adding its code everywhere. And it's like, oh my God, this is a real pain in the ass. And it doesn't achieve a great deal either. <laughs> it's over engineered for no reason. Yeah. I love that. Hermit just found something that she, I just put up into the stream thing. I think it's always so funny. Just big fails of, uh, of OPSEC here, which is, um, <clears throat> just somebody's image source and then this is five it's like a file like directive it's just like on their computer yeah <laughs> it's this guy his like full name and then desktop and just logo.png just like it's but it's from a phishing page yeah okay it's and also it's clearly a fake name because it has michael spelled wrong 
So it's like, it's just oh, like yeah. the truest, like, when I was born in this. Michelle. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. People <laughs> get really lazy with their fishing pages, I guess. Yeah, so there was this, um, a, a friend of mine does marketing and has done for a long time. And uh, one of the things he, he told me was that when, when they were doing a whole bunch of testing against, uh, like, you know, successful and non-successful campaigns, the type, like, they found that they had a higher click-through rates on pages that looked shitty regardless like the pages that looked immaculate always had lower click-through rates because um apparently it's something to do with people thinking they're like getting in on a secret or whatever like oh, yeah shitty web page giving me whatever you know yeah if it looks like some like boilerplate like we're just trying to get this out there yeah. so that you can see like what this is or whatever yeah. like this, the best deals on whatever thing you know yeah, this is this is like uh, KFC gift cards. Like I don't even think KFC gives gift cards. <laughs> KFC gift cards. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. So many yeah. different vectors. Colonel who? <laughs> Colonel symbol. Finally, Colonel. Um. So yeah. Um. What was this said? <laughs> I guess we can kind of cover it a little bit because I think uh, who has to cover it? Microsoft and GitHub. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I posted that link. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's like very weird. I think uh, I don't I don't think GitHub will go for a sale, and uh, if they do, it'll it'll be based down to money. But um, if Microsoft do buy GitHub, I can like. <laughs> So I was really happy, actually, with Microsoft's decision to introduce um, Git as a alternative to whatever TFS, whatever they had before. Um, but for them to actually take the step and then start controlling uh, the ecosystems for like like NPM, basically, is is based on GitHub and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think that's that's pretty scary. Um, I know they pushed like. Pretty hard with TypeScript. They're looking at like, uh, well, I think they have now decoupled .NET from Windows totally, so it's like a standalone product. Um, so the the way they're going, I don't know. I just it's pretty scary to think that like a big company like would just control like everybody's code, but then it's yeah. you well, know control code. So I'm gonna post this in topics i guess this is apparently it's being reported on like uh, a couple different sites that microsoft has indeed acquired github and um the deal could be like set tomorrow basically or monday damn yeah apparently they've been they raised the interest on friday and then it escalated very quickly and <laughs> yeah i'm like kind of overwhelmed with this. this is this is really weird um, but yeah, The Verge and other places are reporting that they had, that they're like the top contributor to the site and that they were wanting to uh, open source like a bunch of other stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I'm like, well, the timing. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, uh, that, you know, they already have like, yeah, they have partnered with Canonical for, to bring Ubuntu to Windows 10. And then, I don't know, it just seems like more stuff that like Linus Torvalds was involved in is just now being sucked away by. Uh, Microsoft. Yeah, I definitely think like um, 
Like, have you guys uh, played with GitHub GitHub Enterprise at all? Um, like for like being a part of like a corporate team and stuff. No, like, ha have you run like GitHub Enterprise? Oh, I have not. I've, I mean, I've been a part of yeah, yeah, corporate GitHub, but I've just mainly run regular GitHub or me a Git yeah. server. So, like, you, you download an OVA, right? Um, so, and an open, open virtualization format. Um, yep. And you, you import it into your VM of choice, like VMware or whatever. And, um, and, and when you run it, then you uh, run through the standard setup, then you, get, then you need a key. Um, and then that key basically is the unlocks however many users that you've paid for and all that kind of shit. I think there's phone homes. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's phone homes. Anyway. Um, but the way that they do that they encrypt their Ruby is with this um, this Ruby library and that they've written themselves and um, the the key to the decryption like hasn't changed for ages but it's something like this is a really long key that we know that you will recover so we're not going to change like you know the, the the keys like GitHub know very well people are going to like get it reverse it and and make uh, and crack GitHub Enterprise but they're sort of like you know. They they're kind of good about it. They're like, you know, we know this is going to happen. So then they just put that, you know, that kind of knowledge in the key just for lols. Interesting. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, yeah. So there was like a, a shared object that was loaded by Ruby la last time I looked, like a couple of times ago that I looked at it, and then um, it looks like they've now compiled that into the version of Ruby. I think that that it runs because I couldn't find. That file on the file system, but I didn't look very hard either. So I, I don't think you you see that kind of um, you know like that kind of uh, candid sort of thing happen within Microsoft. It's not it's not like a Microsoft culture kind of thing. That's you can tell it's more more that open source land type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, so what, was, what was Microsoft's uh, you know alternative? For um, you know, uh, source control. Yeah, source control. I don't know. Uh, so they have um, Team Foundation Server, I think it was called. Which um, in recent versions of Visual Studio, those also has the ability to use Git. So they've been pushing Git for a while um, over their own product, just because I think that's what I, I guess. Like as a dev, that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, most of the projects they might even be pulling from are going to be already on GitHub anyway. So if like they're trying to maintain their own repo, why would you have a different technology when, like, say, some version of Ruby or Python or anything is already on Git? I feel though that um, the way that Visual Studio lays out like your uh, like Visual C, um, like C sharp projects and shit like that, mm -hmm. like sucks. I feel just like that. Just the file system layout, the, the way that everything, like the solution is uh, is stored on the file system sucks anyway. So like putting it in Git doesn't make it any better. Yeah, I really do not like Visual Studio at all. I've never liked it. Yeah, you have to like help people debug all the time. It's like, yeah, it's definitely like one of those like overcomplicated things and just, I don't know. <laughs> I think as far as a bloated, like a bloated bloatware dirty IDE goes, it's probably pretty good. But um, I don't use IDEs, so like I yeah. think every IDE is kind of bloat, right? Yeah, 
the only one I've ever really used just for, for convenience was like the, the Arduino one, realistically. <laughs> oh man, the Arduino IDE is so terrible. Like yeah, but then setting up like AVR dude and all the other tools are sometimes annoying too. On if you're just trying to get something done, you don't you forget like to compile in certain drivers or, or whatever you need. Like it's just annoying. <laughs> but yeah. you need like some like obscure header that just is, you just can't find. Be like fuck. <laughs> no, I tried to set up uh, the Arduino like from or tried to set up AVR dude and some other stuff on Arch Linux. I messed it up so bad that I like just gave up on it and then just used the IDE. <laughs> yeah, it depends the size of your project. Like, um, I have I've got a couple of projects that are just using the IDE to compile. Like, I'll edit the files by hand, like in my editor, and then just compile using and upload using the. Uh, uh, or upload Flash using the IDE, mm-hmm. but um, I had one project that imp- uh, imported embed TLS, which is Polar SSL, um, like cross compiling for um, Arduino, uh, like an ARM Arduino. Yeah, and that, like, do- doing that in the IDE was like pulling teeth. Like that was not that was it was way easier to like go get all the shit, make a make file, like mm-hmm. do the real computer. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've I've had to do it a couple times with uh, AVR dude, but it's usually like I'll just throw something quick and dirty on to IDE. But yeah, it's like it's definitely weird though. There's a lot of people who've only ever really used those before, and then when you have to like do something open source, and it's the same struggles that we have if we're trying to do something in an IDE. And it's like, oh yeah, open up Visual Studio, do this thing, import this thing, go to this sub menu. Like it's the same thing, you know, just learning the more visual aspect of it than the the just creating a make file or link or script. There's, there's been a few times that I've had to literally just reinstall it because I don't know how horribly I fucked up the uh, the Arduino setup before. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely gets pretty bad sometimes. I've definitely messed it up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is is the uh, background noise around here completely obnoxious to the point I should just not talk? Oh no, no, no you're fine. You're totally fine. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, yay technology. I I can hear the kids, but that's cool, man. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm at a pool with like 800 kids, so yeah. <laughs> Coming at you live. <laughs> I'll keep but moving, yeah. but yeah. Do you usually, um, MG, do you, do you usually use the Arduino IDE to program like your uh, HID stuff? Yeah, yeah. Primarily, I do that. The only times I've delved outside of that with like Micronucleus and their sub tools is when I'm trying to modify the bootloader of the chip. Yeah. But, but yeah, primarily when I'm just pushing code, it's all through the IDE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I typically stick to. I know that Dakota is like a big fan of using all the command line tools and, and very custom environment for flashing uh, AppMail and AVR chips, but, or yeah, AVR chips, but it's it's um definitely, I don't know. It's something, sometimes it's like really overcomplicated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, I think if you're fucking with around with an Arduino, just trying to get some LEDs to blink, or maybe like check a, you know, you wanna you wanna check the voltage of a pin, or do something simple like you know that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. it's once once you start doing like the more complex shit, you know, yeah, you, you go oh, okay, this is like not gonna cut it. I wish I had have not used the IDE from the start. Yeah, yeah, because then somebody to backpedal and and like actually create something completely different from scratch again. Yeah. Do you, do you yeah. have some good examples of uh, projects where the IDE just doesn't cut it? Gonna... 
give myself uh, some examples and anybody listening? Well, when I was trying to help out Dakota with some, some stuff for this LED thing, he was having an issue with basically like just importing like other headers for compiling stuff um, that's in the Arduino library that was like, it was some like really esoteric like like file that defined like vectors and it was just like this really like I remember trying to like figure out how to load it properly and then it kept saying like the symbols already like defined and just like because like the IDE comes with a bunch of preloaded stuff that you that it expects to find in your code and so if you modify or deviate it or try to find other stuff that's not in that it might mess it up and then you get confused because the the compiler error is like so esoteric that you're like I don't even know where to look to, to figure this out. Yeah, like a lot of the headers are just, uh, you know, you just like include serial, whatever, and it's like, it's not the headers that you're used to, it's the headers that Arduino tell you to use that you're like looking at, um, you know, random, like one of the things, one of the like um, boards that I bought my girlfriend to play with was um, a 16 by a 16 uh, LED matrix, but by four. And then, like, the way that you had to write the digital pins to turn, like, the LEDs on and off. And then if you wanted to, like, create, like, frames so that you could make animations. Mm -hmm. like, it was just this super, super convoluted way that I didn't get, like, until I read the code, like, 400 times from the example. And then I was like, oh, okay. So, like, each 16 by 16. And then you have, like, you know, um, uh, or so it was eight by eight. I can't remember whatever it was. But then, yeah, you you had to like flip the bits, but then you had to clear the whole thing and rewrite it like every time, like to create the new frame. So like you you'd sleep if you, yeah, if you didn't handle the sleep properly, it was just super weird. But then in comparison to that, like with the Arduino Do, I wanted to use the um, the interrupt for when there's enough entropy on the true random number generator and doing that in the Arduino IDE was like, that doesn't work. It didn't work at all. Um, it just never got caught. Like, yeah, it would obviously be generating enough entropy and um, nothing happened. Interesting. Yeah. So when I did it by hand and did it the, like the right way, like all of a sudden everything works. Yeah. So how do you, how do you get the code on the Arduino uh, without without the IDE? Is there another program you can use to send it over the wire, or just how how does that process well, work? The the Arduino IDE just has a whole like it comes with pre-compiled versions. Like if you install it from package, it it'll come with pre-compiled versions of like the compiler and and everything. Um, and so you're using, you're literally using the same binaries, but just not in their environment, like not in that sort of uh, environment that, that comes prepackaged. So it's the same underlying toolset, or most of the time, um, it's the same underlying toolset. And then, yeah, you're just calling it from the normal way. Yeah. So you would yeah, normally, so sorry, <laughs> um, you would normally do something like like AVR, dude. You basically just take a compiled hex file of your um, it's just basically a binary of your uh, program that you've written, and you can just like write to flash that way. If you turn on uh, verbose mode when you're pushing and compiling, you can actually see the uh, command line tools behind the scenes that you would normally use manually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Um, with Tainties as well, like they have their own uh, like little upload 
app as well that's kind of kind of dirty. I'm yeah, sorry. it is. <laughs> yeah, because, you get uh, like that dirty hex. And yeah, because like the, drag and drop. Yeah, because the Team C itself is is a, a ARM chip. It's like an ARM Cortex like M zero, I believe, and it's just emulating AVR, um, like AVR opcodes and mapping them to um, like function or routines that are in um, ARM. And so that's like what's really annoying. I didn't know that at first, and then I realized that it was when I was first learning to program my Team C, and then I, I realized that like. It kind of limits you in a way because then you are always going to spend your time in the overhead of emulating AVR rather than just using straight ARM, which is a little bit easier, I guess, if you want to like actually use the full range of things you could do for the chip, like you know, instead of having to have a bunch of extra overhead and cycles wasted. Yeah, I think with um uh, the stuff I used to dump NAND with, which uh, which so Norway is the the package like um as in capital NOR way, and it contains Norway, Nandway, and SPI way. Um, and then there, that's a firmware for TNC, along with uh, some Python scripts. And um, and then you have your like clip or whatever, your breadboard, your, your way to connect it up to the to a NAND on, uh, on chip. So like an external NAND that's still soldered to another, like, you know, to another device. So I mm -hmm. use like the the UniClip um, for there was like the extension of the pin. Uh, oh, sorry. So like the the, the 360 clip and the and the Wii clip and stuff like that. They only had uh, like eight pins I think populated, but the the UniClip has like 48 pins populated. And then so you figure like you check the data sheet, you like wire it up, blah blah blah, flash your TNT with an actual image. Um, then you have to run it. You have to cut a trace, and either solder a um, uh, solder a regulator on there, or you have to um, just run it from an external 3.3 volt power supply. And then, oh, you can go a little bit higher, like somewhere between three and five, but not with it with outside the limits of the NAND, um, and then or the NOR or like whatever you're dumping. And then, yeah, like so, that's a project that actually uses that chip, I guess, as opposed to just the standard, like, example type stuff that does uh, AVR emulation. Yeah. Man, you guys go really deep on these chips. I'm realizing now how shallow I've gone on, on a lot of this stuff and uh, just barely made it made it certain ways. Obviously, it's because uh, you guys actually know how to code it. I don't. So. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that, when it comes down to it, I first really actually started learning how um, AVR chips work, how the differences in in different firmwares and the differences in, in in the actual different chips, like the I guess the difference between like total number of or like amount of flash or, or actual like hertz for processing speed and like trying to make stuff like I think it's because I, I did a lot of audio things. And so trying to do audio stuff, you have to take all that into consideration when you're doing like you know waveform modulation. And so I was able to like, to learn about that, and I realized too. I'm like, holy shit! There's so much about these different uh, um, chips that I've, I've. There's so much to them, and then you go on the forums, and people are like, of course, yeah, you have to write to port blah blah blah, blah through this way, and like you know, learning how I guess uh, like data itself is 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 sent out to the different pins is, is pretty interesting. Um, like writing to registers, like binary values, and, and how that changes, and 
so yeah i don't know it goes it goes really deep definitely could go a lot deeper and it's <laughs> but it is it is cool though once you start looking at it from that perspective um and how it it makes coding make more sense because you say oh yeah this thing will need this you know certain parameter or this you know vector initialized and then from there you can kind of make smarter decisions and understand you know where older code might fall short like i'm embarrassed to ever post any of my older arduino code like it's like such a nightmare oh dude i'm embarrassed to code any like to post any of my code like so the mg I, i'm like really bad with chips it's only the things like the the problems i've run into trying to do things is like where my knowledge stems from um like i'm not a com slack kind of guy at all like i, I i'm a i'm a google man yeah exactly um, <laughs> like, but then again, with the, the stuff you're saying about music, you like, I, I I'm doing music after computers, so now like, oh yeah, hey, that's like, you know, that, this is similar to this other thing that I learned like ages ago. You know, I know about frequencies and and whatever because of the time that we we did this telephone shit, and uh, well, hang on a minute, it's like, yeah, similar processing type stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, like when I was making, like, I, I got into more like analog hardware along before I got more into like digital chip stuff. And uh, it definitely was helpful because I would I would make like from scratch, like oscillators and make synths, like analog synths, and then make analog synth modules, make effects pedals. And then I started using Arduino to do digital signal processing stuff and uh, do like further um, effects. And also you can totally make like chiptune stuff, you know, 8-bit type music with um, Arduinos. Um, there's a really, like really cool one, the Arduino, which is like I built a whole board and modified a bunch of the code to make it like be a full-on like 16-step or 32-step sequencer with a ton of different granular controls and just like learning how to do that and seeing like okay, so how is this actually being written out? Like how are these channels? Like oh, they only take up like actually one register. This is all binary data that's being written as like to the speaker, but you see like, you can start to see like from the analog audio perspective and then the digital perspective and see how they actually merge. It's like really cool. I, I started to learn a little bit of AVR assembly for that. And um, it's like interesting when you see like how you initialize like the registers that you want to actually use for output and then how you write to them and how that writing affects the signal output that's going out. And it's the same thing as like, you could apply that to any sort of data, like whether it be, you know, the the lowest hardware level of like the the network stack, you know, seeing how that actually goes when you're doing something like over like Ethernet with uh, Arduino libraries and things too. So it's pretty sick. It's pretty. It's uh, funny. Like, sorry, MG. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Go ahead. I had a, a transitionary topic for you. <laughs> I was just gonna say that like um, the it, it goes to show that. Uh, the merit in the demo scene, um, like a lot of VX guys who came from the demo scene and stuff like that, like um, trying to fit like 20 minutes of audio and video into, you know, four kilobytes or whatever is like pretty hardcore. And then, you know, the guys who are making chip tunes and stuff. Um, so they're understanding, like, because they were doing it for fun, trying to make, you know, entertainment, they learn all this crazy shit. And then they're like, oh, look, I can apply this to like, right, really sweet viruses that fit inside your bootloader <laughs> exactly that's literally like where a lot of the stuff came from is like I, like people like have known i guess that I, i'm interested in like low level stuff but it's all literally because of that it's because of like learning like how audio and and 
and visual stuff work and then making really tiny stuff because you have to on like when you could only afford like a, a an 18 mega like 328 or less and then you know what can you actually do with that you know It's, uh, it, it's interesting because you guys, uh, it seems like I kind of take a different uh, approach, or at least a different history, where I know a lot of the fundamentals, whether it's music or you know the electrical stuff. And eventually I get to a point where I realize there's potential to uh, like automate something. Um, this isn't quite the best example, but for instance, it would be great. Um, man, it was like 10 years ago, I was thinking about how you could take samples and what if you could trigger them off of an algorithm like uh, Fibonacci code, right? Get some really cool sound uh, effects out of that. I think uh, BT actually went on to make that cool Fibonacci-based glitching technique. But anyway, that's an example of it. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh crap, that's that's going to be really hard. Better find something else that's still low level, and I can explore that. So I, I would always kind of have this escapist mentality towards actually stepping up uh, to layers of abstraction and automation. So. Um, I guess that's been my history. What, one thing I did want to kind of ask about is that all the stuff we're talking about here, what uh, levels of employment does this type of skill set allow for? Uh, at least just screwing around with uh, Atmel chips and Arduino, stuff like that. Obviously, once you get much deeper, you know, depends what level we're talking about here, but higher skill level, um, you can certainly become employed doing things like, you know, writing, writing viruses that that go deep into a chip but just at the raw you know arduino and atmel uh skill level does that translate in any way to to an employable skill set absolutely so actually that's one of the things that i think is really cool um my current job that i have now i was able to you know take a look at at, at arm firmware and be able to help with with a, you know some of the challenges that i've had to deal with before with exactly what I was saying earlier, compiling with open source tools, you know, being able to say, oh, I know how linker scripts work, or oh, I know how like how binary images are actually uh, organized, especially like elf binaries, or like saying those kind of things. If you if you have played with those lower level things, like say, you know, binaries, making the tiniest binaries possible, or making the tiniest code possible to fit onto a you know app mount chip or or AVR chip or uh, I mean ARM chip, being able to take all those things and, and make them smaller, make them more efficient, have less overhead, and have less dependence on proprietary uh, software is definitely a skill set that is used for people who do professional firmware development and who do professional IoT stuff. Um, so if you are somebody who is interested in doing um, you know, actual like tuning of these kinds of things and you have that knowledge and, and it, it, it excites you you know as much as it excites us to talk about it um you know that's definitely a route to, that you would want to take is, is looking into firmware development and uh getting involved in projects and, and even just taking a look at other firmwares and and seeing how open source projects are actually you know operated see how those things are actually laid out in like a code level rather than just looking at the raw binary that you dumped um yeah it's all all good. I mean, I think uh, one of the things I guess uh, Locale was looking at earlier in the week, I think maybe money last week, he was looking at um, emulating uh, firmwares uh, for ARM chips uh, in QMU or whatever. So downloading firmwares for um, you know routers and stuff and, and looking for uh, binaries to exploit. 
I think it's definitely if, like, if you can get physical access to a device and you know how to, uh, you know, remote GDB, like JTAG or remote GDB, and then you also actually know that, like, <laughs> about that actual chip. Um, so, like, the, the Atmel, um, what are they called? Um, like, STM32s, like, I've, I've used a bit as well, um, the STM32 series, like, what if you find a buffer overflow on that like it's you're not going like because they're very likely like it's it's not um you know it's not it doesn't have the protection like when you've got iot stuff you know the protections you have on like a linux distro so being able to understand like how do i actually harness this bug and like i can't make like you know there's no fault there's, there's no syscalls and shit that i have here i have to just do stuff myself so i think yeah. With binary expectation on IoT, it's like it's a whole different game depending at like what level. Like a lot of the bugs I find are in embedded Linux misconfigurations, um, like embedded Linux old versions, like stuff that's been fixed in in x86 branches and just never gets patched on like some router or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then all like you know, there's I guess like Scudder and and PLCs and stuff. Um, they're again like a whole different type of, uh, you know, a whole different type of platform. So you mentioned finding bugs in uh, embedded Linux systems. What's the kind of approach you have? Like, are you are you knowing about certain vulns and then you go into the code or sort of you know decompile it? Like, what's what's the general sequence of events you go through to find this? All right. So embedded embedded Linux. I've I've done a couple of workshops on on finding embedded linux bugs um it's super it's it's like the 90s all over again dude like um so this one uh there's these things these fixed i don't know if i talked about this before in a different episode maybe i always think i've talked about shit before now but um there was these fixed wireless terminals right which is a 3g backhaul device that has adsl uh well it's got like a cmux for adsl and um, a pot's line runs to like a farmer's house and they put them out in the in the bush where there's like no phone lines and there's like a, a group of six and then there's like a ethernet loop between them um they're like they do all this shit, whatever anyway um so they monitor the partner so there's ethernet within this like six thing anyway so i got one of the devices and uh, my actual task was to see if i could reset the master of the six so this is what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for bugs in this instance. I just happened to find them. Um, and so the first thing I did is got root on the device. So uh, using UART. Um, so finding UART is pretty easy. You can, you can, like, a lot of the time, you can use, like, a JTAGulator or whatever. Like, the first thing you do is put, whip out the multimeter, look for 3.3 volts and, like, common ground, and then, um, like, something that's fluctuating a little bit. And then after that, you know, you can pretty much guess, like you're looking for a four pin header basically, and you only need three of those pins. Um, once you do that, when you power it up, you'll see the bootloader, which will be like U-boot, Redboot, like, uh, you know, it's all pretty standard stuff. Um, and then you interrupt, like the first thing you do is interrupt the bootloader and you drop the single user mode. Um, just like you would on any other Linux machine. So, you know, um, init, bin sh, whatever. Um, and then you mount the file system the as read write and then you change your root password and then you reboot you remove you know your kernel parameters you reboot again and um you log in as root 
once you've logged in as root, which is like, you know, five minutes of work, um, then you can just start exploring. So the first thing I do is sort of like netstat, you know, PS, like what's running, um, check IP tables, that kind of thing. Um, like a, a recent one. So that, that one was a little bit uh, harder because there was like a whole bunch of proprietary code on there that was in Python, but it was all compiled Python and it was uh, Python 2.6. So I was able to use like unpike to go back to the source code, like to bring it back to the source code. Um, and then I was able to order that and I was able, I found uh, within that, um, uh, and there was a unpickle and then an eval, like one after the other. And that was listening on a UDP port and it was running as root. So like running as root is like a real thing on like so many of these devices. Um, like, and so then, yeah, like I was able to just forge that UDP packet that was my, like a pickle payload. And then it gets executed because deserialization of pickle in Python is literally sending Python bytecode and then, um, yeah, executing it. Um, so that was easy. Um, but then like another one recently, I found like BusyBox uh, THDPD um, running as root again. It was pointing to some directory on the file system. I went there, um, it was CGI bin, the interpreter was bash. Um, and then in the, the query parameters, um, parser that would split out, you know, your uh, ampersand, your question mark, and then ampersands into actual variables, um, it actually used as part of it, like like a dollar bracket for um, eval. And then so I was like, oh, okay, so if I just throw some backticks in here and then I just put my own payload into the URL, now it's like I'm executing code as root and then just wrote like, I ran ID, like uh, redirect to temp lol, look in temp lol, and there it was like, so it, <laughs> it's really easy stuff like iot bugs like embedded linux iot bugs are just a fucking dime a dozen and um and no and one of the main things about it is they don't get patched because the patch cycle either the firmware isn't rebuilt by the people who are building it or um like like over the air upgrades over the wire upgrades come with like a huge risk of of um a non-recovery chance so yep you got to look at it from the company's standpoint they're like oh shit if we push out an update that fixes a remote route we're going to get three percent of our devices or four percent or five percent or ten percent bricked you know like <laughs> then like is it worth us pushing a security patch or is it worth like ten percent of our customers and, and then like ten percent of our customers returning the product because it just didn't turn on again one day that's, that's awesome. Um, so question for you, uh, all of that, basically, it, it sounds pretty standard. You wouldn't have to start searching all the way from, you know, the URL to you've got root. Um, then, then you mentioned, I think you, it was, it was on Pike or something like that. You were, you were trying to run to test some things out. Uh, at that point, it seems like you're going to be searching for a lot of different stuff. Are there tools to do that? Or do you just have like a, a, a list of things to try out, uh, to see, I, I guess that's uh, an interesting area to kind of explore a bit. Um, I mostly just audit code with my eyes <laughs> and follow, uh, you know, I, I grab for like keywords, obviously. So like, like um, we've talked about this as well. There's a tool called Grodit, 
Um, I don't actually use it, but you can use it. It's uh, written by a guy called Weigel, um, and it's it's good for grepping for known uh, bad functions. But um, nice. but yeah, you, like you can just grep for like system eval whatever, and um, and yeah, you'll you'll find that people you know or like pickle or if, if it's Python or whatever, you just know like okay. These are the known things that people shouldn't be using. So let's see if they're there. Nice. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like some of the stuff that we've, we've had to learn a lot, uh, read me for OSCP is like being able to like just know the basic stuff of where to look for things and, and, and look for, you know, what's the kernel version? Like what's running as root? Like, you know, what sort of, uh, you know, processes themselves are running, where is it connected to? And then like just kind of doing those basic sort of things you get into the being able to like once you're on like say like a, an IoT device you get dropped into some sort of weird shell, then you know, being able to actually know where to look around, see what commands you have, you know, it's just kind of like a process. Yeah, yeah like the router like router firmware kind of stuff has always uh, it's always kind of eluded me. Like I, I've attempted it a couple times. Um unpacking like a router firmware update and uh i don't know if uh cisco cisco stew can uh shed some light on this but whenever i unpack like a router firmware uh update uh binary oh i've got i've got an unexpected guest um Whenever I unpack like a router firmware update, there seems to be like sort of a live file version, and like there's BusyBox there, and then there's the fir the firmware that they're going to flash on the device. <clears throat> um, has, has anyone has anyone unpacked that and got anything useful out of it before? I'm just curious. Um, so yeah, people have unpacked it. Um, Cisco stuff is a little different. Same with like Junos stuff. Um, personally, I, like I don't really like going for like I find it's a really uh, it's like it's a harder method to go for like just downloading a firmware and then unpacking it and trying to emulate it. Like I really prefer to like just buy a device that's cheap and own that. Like I just have a running device in front of you, just saves so much time um, because. A lot of the time, uh, so some of the devices that I've, I've worked with, they have like onboard FPGAs um, for doing like voice modulation or whatever, or maybe that's how they're doing DSL modulation or, or something. And um, like because that hardware isn't there, like within QMU, it like has a cry or whatever. Depend depends how like complex that package is. Um, and one of the other things that I look at as well is um, like. I guess you guys are probably really used to this as well. Is like just just the verbosity of um, like your, your boot messages. So if you're reading, say, like so, one of the devices I was looking at was a um, like a fiber terminator, and it dropped me into this uh, crippled shell. Once I was actually once I logged into it, and I, I didn't root because I didn't have another one. I didn't want to fuck with it too much, um, but. I was able to tell a whole great deal of shit that was being uh, like kernel modules that were being loaded just from the bootlog, and that led led me to some um, you know important stuff. So it, a lot of the time, just like it's your standard kind of like be vigilant, look for weird shit. Like if if there's, if there's a kernel module 
um, that you don't see loaded very often. Um, there's probably a reason why it doesn't get loaded. Uh, my, was, um, my, my friend just sent me this screenshot. He's, he's flying back from Japan, and uh, the uh, back of the uh, each seat has <clears throat> has a screen. He just sent me the screenshot of the boot process that was <laughs> displayed to him on this on this flight. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the chat here. Last. Yeah, actually, the last uh, flight that I was on that had USB ports in the back of the seat, that actually removed the two data pins, so it was a charging-only port now. But I know that on that same uh, aircraft or that same family of aircraft that previously there were data pins, so... Yeah, I just, I just threw it in the voiceless voice here. It's funny. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I, I've I've tried that a couple times looking for bugs in um, uh, firmware updates. Um, it's fun, you know. Like I I found some, you know, not necessarily useful, but it was interesting to like crack the uh, password of not not like a hard code pass hard coded password in the device, but like a hard coded password in that live system that flashes the firmware. Um, you know, and it was just, it was pretty, it, it was, it was the company who was, you know, making the software that they used to flash, flash these things. And it was just like the name of the company and, and some numbers and stuff. So there's definitely stuff in there, but, um, um, that, uh, Quimu, Kimu, uh, emulation. Uh, stuff, I feel like that's what's holding me back. I, I don't, I don't, I've never, I've never been able to do it. Like emulate a uh, uh, router hardware, you know, to actually run this this firmware on before. Yeah, it's. Um, I think I think Lockout was saying it was removed from the latest uh, the the cross platform um, QMU was uh, removed from. Um, the latest Ubuntu distro, distro as well. So he had to go install Arch or something because uh, it just wasn't there, which is annoying, I guess. But yeah, like it, it's definitely like uh, def definitely much easier. Like if you have um, the device sitting in front of you and you've got JTAG on it as well, like you can use hardware breakpoints. You can do all kinds of other shit you can't normally do. Like once you pause it, like you can, like you can actually just look at registers like straight away wherever you are, um, attached to you know different running sections or whatever. So, which I guess is more handy when you're looking at uh, like looking for um, like exploiting uh, binaries on those devices as well. Especially if you know it might work. Like you might get it to work in an emulator. But at the end of the day, it's still an emulator. And like, if you, if you look at ARM, for example, there's like so many like revisions of ARM. Um, like people, a lot of these uh, people like these days is kind of like, oh yeah, it's an ARM chip, it's an ARM chip. But it's like, mm, it's like you know, is it ARM V7 or V7H or like V9 or like what? Like it's, they're all different. It's just the same like umbrella.
Yeah. Hi, not Pike. I never said hi to you before when he came on. You can hear us. Yep, I am here uh, dealing with a real life emergency right now. Uh, oh. Help, I appreciate it. Oh. Wait, what? Uh, so, hacker for uh, Damaged Dolphin. Uh, he actually lives in Hawaii, said some life ending stuff on Twitter, and just went completely dark on all the platforms. So I'm just kind of hoping if uh, anyone actually knows him in real life, please contact him, or if they know where they live, see if you can get law, uh, local law enforcement for Hawaii to actually go do a welfare check for him. Who is this again? Uh, it goes by the Twitter handle Damaged Dolphin. He's a hacker for out of Hawaii. Um, yeah, he just said some life ending stuff, and we need someone to check on him or ask questions, see how he's doing. Oh, thanks for thanks for that. Yeah, I posted the Twitter and voiceless voice. If you can spread that, I would appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. I'll just paste it into the uh, into the stream chat as well. Cool. Yeah, thanks for anybody who doesn't know any information about that. Damn. <clears throat> yeah, it's always uh. <laughs> I hacked in that mental health uh, conversation a few weeks ago, I guess. It's a highlight of uh, some, some IRL shit. It's a yeah, real definitely. thing. Yeah, I've already kind of did all I can right now, so I can talk for a little bit. I've already kind of uh, broadcasted it. I mean, just all honesty, if stuff's kind of like this, where if it's like just go with worst case scenario and honestly if it's pretty much you can't talk to the person just pretty much go to the next level and start calling them on one that's really the only thing you can do and it kind of makes it rough because i don't even know this dude in real life just met him once at the furry con that we had here last month and chill dude a little awkward i mean no big deal i mean but he just kind of said some stuff about not having friends and said like world will be better without me and then disappeared so yeah not to depress people but retweets and Reaching out would definitely help, but yeah, if you see stuff like that, ask questions. And if they go dark, freaking <laughs> better be trying to do everything you can just to pretty much like, all right, it's out of my hands. Let's see what else I can do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just doing some quick retweeting. But besides that, um, learned a few things about the antenna. Realized that I had a couple of design flaws, uh, but however, it's easily fixable. Got a bridge couple things in the end, and I kind of posted photos of you since you're building it. Wait, hold on, so for your antenna? Yeah, yeah. Um, the elements actually do get routed back into ground, and with okay. the original design, uh, each uh, curve kind of just gets floated, so it's pretty much a open circuit. It's oh. not closed by chance, and it should be closed just by looking at everyone else's design. Actually, I got some good articles about the original history of QA or Q. FH design antennas. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like your predecessor of your closed source square antennas. You, you never see them, but it, it's kind of just like, oh, here's the square antenna. What if we made in a bow tie? Well, what if we took two of those bow ties and put them together and poof, that's your uh, quad, quad your helix antenna? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I just have to beat, beat mine. And actually, you know what's really funny? So I, I was telling the story the other day. This happened to me and Hermit. Um, we, <laughs> I'm quickly like tracing to see if there's anything else around me. So, okay, two days ago, Friday night, we came home, went on a nice little date. This nice, had a fun, nice, nice evening. We come home, putting food away, and Hermit just looks at the ground and says, like, there's a 
is a huge spider. And like for me, I'm like, <laughs> I don't like spiders, but this was like a, I like, usually I'll just like get rid of them, put them aside or kill them if they're like really weird. This one was the biggest spider that I've ever seen in my life. And it was like fast and it jumped and basically spent like an hour and a half trying to get it out of the house or kill it. We couldn't like, it was, it's literally, it was like on my main power brick where like my router and like my computer is like plugged into. And so there's like no way to like just straight like kill it and smash that and, you know, have spider gunk all over my, uh, my cables. Spider free luck, man. Just let them live. But, well, so, yeah. So we, this one here, we weren't sure if this was poisonous or not because it was very, very big and it looked like a poisonous spider that we looked up on our phones real quick. But so anyways, this spider was, I was like, all right, what can I like sacrifice if I have to, to if it comes at me and tries to bite me or something. And it was on the piece of mail that you sent me, Pike, that had the antenna in it. And I'm just like, I'm like, don't take it hostage. Like, it was like literally like on top of it. Like, I was afraid it was going to like crawl in or something. It was really, really, it was huge. It was a very, very big spider. <laughs> and like, I just remember like that it was on your, uh, on your, the little antenna in a mailer underneath my desk. Uh-huh. Just like chilling. After I tried to initially, I tried to catch it and put it under a Tupperware container, but it ran away so quickly that it it, and it hid behind on the mail, and so it was just like it was a nightmare. Maybe it was sent to retrieve the uh, antenna. Yes, it was, it was a sleeper agent. A big yeah. big spider, pro- probably like a wolf wolf spider, maybe. I don't know. It was it was very fast. It jumped. It was brown. It had a huge body. It was like it wasn't like anything I've ever seen before. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny when you guys talk about spiders. Oh, yeah. you can tell us all about spiders, huh? <laughs> Man, uh, they have health bars. Dude, I was, I was like putting the the bins out one night at um, my parents' house, and um, there's like a floodlight that comes on outside, like and. I'm putting the bins out and I see this fucking spider and it was about as big as my hand, right? I didn't I didn't really think about it. I didn't have proper shoes on. I had like flip flops, like thongs or whatever. Like not a thong, like you know, like we we, we call flip flops thongs. I wasn't wearing, you know, a G string. But um maybe I was. But anyway, so I'm I see this spider, I just walk over and I step on it, and like as I'm walking over, it's like faster than me, so I have to run a little bit for it. And yeah. then when I when I stand on it. It feels like I'm standing on a fucking steak or some shit. It's like it's like a thick, meaty spider. I was like, "Holy shit!" And then I realized, like, it was actually a funnel web, and it was a funnel web like as big as my hand. Like that thing, if that had bit me, like, because they're really aggressive. Like, yeah. would, like call the ambulance right fucking now, and they better be close. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like there's um, it's like where one of the places uh, I go with some of my friends. Um, there is a uh, like a, a a ramp where where cattle go onto onto the onto the back of a truck, and um, in there there is like in the side of that there's a, a brown snake like a king brown snake pit. It's like where it has its babies and shit, and they're, they're always in there. And like king brown snakes are like the most one of the I think one of the most venomous snakes in the world. Mm-hmm. And we just like don't go near that at all. And like you, you know that you you wear thick pants. You have to wear like thick socks, boots, everything. Yeah. When we're out there, because like if one of those things bites you, 
we are way, way too far away from it. Any anyone who has anti venom is like way far away. So if anyone gets bit, we're fucked. Like, and yeah, that's, that's the reality. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I I usually just want to get whatever out of the house. I don't like killing, you know, anything if it don't I don't have to. But um, yeah, it, it it's one of those things where like you, you don't know and like it's a it's a point where you don't know if something could potentially be poisonous or not. And so what that's what sucks is when you have to like make those like decisions instead of just like, oh let's just put it in a little like you know, it, it's gross looking, but they have to put it in a container and throw it outside or something. I'm like, I don't want it to like be outside and go into someone else's house and potentially be, you know, poisonous or whatever. But so Herman's over here, like on the ground, like talking to it, like telling me like how it's thinking and like it's like literally like their <laughs> mode. Like it's like, all right, we have to focus on just one of its senses to like stimulate and get it I'm out of here. She's like, okay, yeah, know. yeah, thank you. All right, now move now this way. Like listening to her as it goes into a little cup, we're trying to like yeah, put it into a coffee mug. <laughs> It's really funny though, but it's like, yeah, for, I don't know. It's hard to keep a level head sometimes when it's like a giant thing just like right on your, you know, like I spent all my time trying to, protect, trying to protect my computer from the outside. And there's now the ultimate hacker just come in and, you know, try to uh, sit on my box. Yeah, I had a pet tarantula one time, and uh, I've had I've had scorpions too. Yeah, insects are super interesting. They are. Yeah, scorpions. Yeah. When they're in your home and you don't want them there, is when it's when it sucks. I mean, it seems like a dog. I, I lost. I lost one of my scorpions for like three days one time. <laughs> <laughs> when funny. it showed up, it was covered. It was covered in dust. It was, you know, it had been hiding behind. Some, it was. A, it was an emperor scorpion. <clears throat> you know, and they're yeah. black. But when I finally found it, it was just like gray, uh, because it had, you know, I don't know, like <laughs> it got all gotten all dusty. But yeah, just picked just picked it up and uh, <laughs> put it back in its cage. Yeah, that's uh, not too bad though, because that's it's like you know they're not they're non venomous, I think, or they're very low venomous. Yeah, it's like um. <clears throat> It's like it's like a hornet sting. I, from what I hear, as far as the uh, how powerful the venom is, but um, the the more you get stung by them, uh, the more likely you are to have um, a reaction like um, anaphylactic shock or whatever. You know the reaction. Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. So I'm still golden because I never got stung by it. But yeah, I was always aware of it. I mean, the thing was so big, I would feed it, uh, you know, uh, crickets or pinkies, you know. Those are like baby mice. Um, I Anyway, I never once saw it use its stinger because it had huge claws on it. Like any anything you would put in that cage, like I think you would have to step on it before it would actually sting you. Yeah, so I had um like they were Flinders range scorpions and they're like super um aggressive. So like for anyone who doesn't know about scorpions, like the lighter the color or the, like the more see-through they are, the it's generally means that they're more dangerous to you. And like the emperor scorpions are really big and black, like rainforest scorpions or whatever. Um 
And so like the sting is supposed to hurt like a bitch, but you have to get stung quite a few times. Like the first one I bought, I had to sign a thing that was like, I won't let it sting anyone. And uh, if they're allergic to bees, they can die. So like get ready to call an ambulance if that happens, like kind of thing, like be aware of what you own. And um, yeah, like I used to, you know, put a pen in the the tank like a dickhead and um, it would sting the shit. Like it it would just like fucking go ham on it. But um, when it used its stinger, like like putting like crickets and stuff in there, it would just let the cricket like run around, do nothing. It would just like, just let it just run until it was hungry and then grab it by the head. And then the stinger would come over like, so normally with a pen, it would like sting it really quick. But then with the, with it, with the cricket, it would hold it still. And the stinger would like be like precisely inserted into its head. And then it would like let it go and it would run for like a second and then die. And then it would just eat it. But, um, the the ones I had glow under UV. I don't know if the Emperor Scorpions glow under UV. Yeah, they do. I think I think it's all scorpions actually glow under ultraviolet. Yeah, and they can't see it, so they think they're in the dark. And since they hunt at night, it's like really good for watching them kill shit. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, or just yeah, you, it, it's really cool. They uh, the emperors <clears throat> they glowed like bright neon green under a black light. I work outdoors every day, so I kind of see this stuff all the time. <laughs> in fact, I got bitten by like a, a wolf spider a little while ago on my hand, and not too big of a deal. I mean, it's kind of turned into a pretty much a little quarter-sized swollen spot, but it heals up just nicely. No, I don't know. Not too worried about even getting bitten by spiders. I mean, a black widow, that's going to hurt like crazy, but you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks when like you have like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a night ruining kind of thing when it's jumping around in your in your in your desk and it's too late at night to get help from anybody like you can't even really like ask anybody to recognize it or anything yeah or like go to the store and like be able to uh like get anything that would probably be able to deal with it because i the other thing that sucks too is we recently moved to this place so it's like hard to um be like we don't have all the tools that we normally have you know like in like a fully functioning you know house i guess to deal with stuff like Mm -hmm. this you know we're like wait what do we use to like get out of the house like what do we use to like you know like a, like a travel coffee mug or something. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to find something, but we'll we'll make some IoT solution soon. Yeah, we'll you, you, you have to, I mean, um, uh, black black widows are really only deadly to like young children and like old old people. Um, I had a pet black widow there for a little bit. You know, you if it were to bite you, 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 you know, be fine for the most part. A brown recluse. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, that, that venom is, is going to cause ne- uh, necrosis. It's, it's going to yeah. make, it's going to make your skin rot. So that's it. what we, that's what we thought this one was because of its markings and the way that it did stuff. But I don't know. It's, I don't know enough about poisonous spiders because I haven't somehow delved to that part of Wikipedia yet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, it was one of those things we weren't sure what it could possibly be and just to be safe we you know had to deal with it appropriately which appropriately was use a vacuum and throw the vacuum away (laughs) we had to drag the vacuum it literally felt like a horror movie we were like sweating because it was so So humid out out. so so dark just dragging this thing like see you in hell and just throw it into the dumpster yeah but we need to get a new vacuum um anybody 
any good recommendations, let us know, please. I like, I got one of those uh, Dyson, uh, like, stand-up backs, and, like, those yeah. things suck. Man, they suck like a wall. Yeah, they're really, uh, they're really good. You know, we were <laughs> playing with some Dysons of actually, they have a really funny uh, Dyson, um, like, really extra-long tablet. Remember the extra-long tablet in the store? No. The one that was, like, rooted? Yes. The background of, yeah. <laughs> There's just this really funny display for Dyson stuff with this, like, tablet that was, like, twice as long as, like, a normal tablet and, like, twice the size. And it just was running some weird older version of Android rooted with, like, a little control panel for Dyson stuff. It's pretty cool. You know, we, we actually need to have a... Uh, the Thug Crowd page needs to have a big logo on it so that... Um, I don't know, do you guys... When you're walking around a store or something, just see, like, in a in a store, they just have like a tablet or a touchscreen that's just a fucking desktop with like a full screen browser. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the time, I just like escape that shit. Like, yeah, just just walking past escape and just go to a different URL. Like, yeah. Just, like, that's what Hermit so does. Like, every time you go anywhere, it's literally like I'll like you turn around and she'll just be on like a price scanner somewhere and just like on Internet Explorer like somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's like the gestures on Windows Seven and shit. You just like, oh yeah, oh look on screen keyboard. Oh, okay, I win. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Windows key, yeah, I'm done. Like, like same, same. browse to your personal CoinHive account page. <laughs> so one of the things I was actually trying to think of would be a good good thing to start. I have a the, the other day when we actually stayed at a hotel after we saw found the spider. We downloaded, <laughs> which is like kind of just. The more we're talking about it, the more we seem like wicked huge worms. I mean, yeah. yeah, talking about like these giant funnel web spiders and stuff. But um, yeah, so yeah, we got this app that was to control the TV in this like um, hotel, and you could just like escape through their weird like internal browser that was like because it linked to a page that didn't exist in the browser, and then you could like escape by going to Twitter, which is like. One of my favorite ways to escape from those sort of um, internal web apps that might be loaded on like a Android or whatever is find the company's about us page and then go to Twitter and then go to from Twitter to like a page that you know you can like I, I would go to my own like personal Twitter which then I have a link somewhere to Google and then you can from there go anywhere um, but yeah so I was able to do that and then load within this weird like hotel proprietary app like uh, the Thug Crowd stream, so I think we should definitely have ah, to That's cool. Yeah, load streams through, load our stream on what's the most random uh, IoT device that you've ever loaded uh, our stream on. I'll tell you what's the, um, what's really weird, like I've looked at it a few times and um, I've never really got anywhere with it because I'm always either too tired or whatever, but like when, you, when you're on um, in a hotel room, and there's like a TV, like even at even at DefCon, like I just never get around like to doing it. But there is always like a, I guess some sort of some sort of router that's connected in your like actual room, and they're usually like mounted behind the TV or whatever. And there's like Ethernet ports and stuff. And like I've plugged stuff into it before and just gone like, yeah, I'm so tired after like work that like you know I'm I'm on the work trips or something. And I'll be like. Fuck this! I'll like do it another time, and I've, I've never actually gotten anywhere humorous with it. But I, I'm sure that like that once you're on that closed network, like you could just wreak havoc, like just uh, on a hotel's like like internal network. 
yeah so they have the so you know how like you uh you like pay-per-view like tv like movies in your room yeah. and stuff like that yeah yeah they usually have like some box that's like on ethernet like attached to the tv and it oh. generally does like that's you know the ethernet socket in your room is like a separate thing that is not connected to that and whatever like yeah so you have like some sort of like leased line like opened up by whatever like thing you're doing with paying for pay-per-view and stuff yeah, yeah and, and then like so uh at um i don't know what year was i don't know one one of the years that i stayed at defcon uh, i went to defcon and stayed at the hotel where they had like three channels streaming the tracks um of the con so you could just lie in bed which is exactly the only time i saw any talks i watched um Androzine's uh witchcraft compiler um because Androzine, that boy um but yeah i i i was like oh dude like, i'm way too hang hung over to go to his fucking talk so i'll just watch it in bed <laughs> that's probably the, the the most like i've ever watched a defcon talk so like at defcon yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah uh read me and i and hermit are all going to defcon for the first time this year oh man just drop your expectations right now just whatever you think it's gonna be <laughs> like fucking yes. drop like I mean, I've just grown up watching the DEFCON talks on YouTube for like however long they've been on YouTube uh, and I don't know I've been excited to go and just see how it goes but now at this point I've made a bunch of friends that are going to be there so I feel like it's going to be more like that instead of like actually absorbing any yeah. information so. <laughs> oh, it, it's bros in Vegas yeah, exactly. You, I mean, it, the, all the videos go up, uh, you know, a few months later, except for Sky Talks, because that's un, unrecorded. So I'd say prioritize those if you want to see any. But otherwise, man, Hallway Con is uh, where it's at. All the uh, the people that show up. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say, um, like, ugh, dude, just it's just the fact there's so many people in Vegas. Like, I hate Vegas being like, I hate, it's so overcrowded and like tacky and shit but it's like ugh, there's been some really crazy crazy crossovers with defcon because last year it was star trek las vegas was on the same week as defcon right so what? if that wasn't fucking geeky enough there's like people dressed up with like blue andorian paint fucking walking around klingon heads and shit I was like, yeah what, what the fuck's going on and then like another year there was like a sex worker convention and so there was like all these like sex workers showing up at like the hacker parties and shit yeah. and it was like why are there all these like women at these parties like like what year was that oh man that might have been defcon like 19 or something i don't know oh uh, okay but um yeah but you like definitely um like I, I saw this documentary. Um, it's called Hackers in Wonderland, and I saw it. It's from I think two thousand, uh, the year two thousand two thousand one. It's like a British documentary, and they mention like DefCon is like the hacker mecca or whatever. And yeah. I was like, holy shit! Like I have to go. Like because I was a mad skid at the time, obviously. And I was like, I have to go to this. Like oh my god! So from the time I was a mad skid. To the time I actually went, I was like so fucking disappointed. I was like, I waited all this time like to come to this con, and the only good thing was getting drunk with all these people, like, you know. I mean, yeah, all the meta stuff I definitely think is going to be the most interesting aspect of it. But it is cool though, because I mean, I don't know. I've like it's being the age that I am and having like 
not been in like the actual tech field and never had enough money to actually go it's definitely something i'm like oh cool finally get to and like i can actually like contribute something to the discourse generally exactly that was that was my thing like i've been wanting to go to defcon since i don't know it's probably defcon 10 or 11 mm-hmm. in the early 2000s but you know never could afford to go um just you know watch the shit on youtube right and, yeah. uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Defcon 21. That was the first time I was somewhere and my work said they fucking pay for it. So that's when I went, uh, yeah. way later, Defcon had changed and then it was all right. Kind of cool being around a lot of like-minded people, but I'm just kind of doing the thing where you bounce around, you're solo, you go to the talks and you're solo. Uh, and then I saw, uh, Sky Talks schedule, Whitey Crackers listed there. I'm like, holy shit man like i've known this guy online for like a decade i'm gonna go there and yeah. you know he, he was he was presenting about some bitcoin uh bitcoin stuff uh shrem was presenting remotely because of his ankle monitor via some like uh telepresence bot uh and then ever since then you know hooked up with them went out to uh you know hallway con or off-site con or hotel room con and uh it was a lot of fun so i i was Basically, the, the the short story here is I was in the exact same position. So, I MJ, were you, were you with us last year when the guy took us to a closed strip club? Yeah, that was uh, the McAfee party, I believe. No, 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 no. I didn't go to the McAfee party. I'm so fucking cut that I didn't. Like, uh, I I really should have gone. But um, no. So like last year we um we were somewhere and we wanted to go back to the strip. We were like all right, this party's over. Let's go back yeah. to the strip. So we got in this um, stretch Hummer. Well, not a Hummer. It was Escalade or something. I don't know. It was yeah, a big yeah. group of us. And like, it was like me and like Whitey Cracker and Naffy and whoever else was in the gang. And um, that's why I was, thought you might have been there. But anyway, um, like I think maybe Shell. I can't remember. Anyway, so we, we, we said to the driver, we're like, take us back to the strip, to any casino, the first <laughs> casino on the strip. And he's like, all right. Do you want to go to a strip club? And we're like, no, do not take us to a strip club. Take us to a <laughs> casino on the strip. And he's like, okay, no problem. So he drives us off the strip to a strip club that is closed. And yeah. we're like, what the fuck? The lights aren't even on. This place is fucking closed. This isn't on the strip. Take us. He's like, that's 30 bucks. We're like, fuck your 30 bucks. Yeah, take us back to the strip right fucking now. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. So he like, you know, because me and Nafi, like being Australians, just like <laughs> swearing and shit, I guess it was a bit, you know, yes. unex- he, he was like getting worried. So he, he, we all pile back in, he drives us back and he drops us off um, at the, the corner of um, uh, Bally's and, or Paris and something, right? Like just there. And then we'd get out and he's like, yo, that's not enough tip. Like, and I just told him, dude, I was so drunk. I turned around. I was just like, I'm not fucking tip. Like, fuck you. You drove, like, just started going off at this guy in the street and then just, like, yelled at him and turned around and walked off and he stopped complaining. So it was pretty. Nice. Yeah, but that was, like, we were so mad. We were just like, why didn't you just take, we, we would have paid you fucking money if you drove us back where we wanted to go. Oh, damn. No, I, I definitely missed out on that. Uh, that was, yeah, dude, it was, a, uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, it's gonna be sick regardless. I'm glad to finally like 
also meet most of you guys in person too, which is cool. Um, oh yeah, that'll be great. Be able to like trade stuff, uh, stickers. Probably make some stickers for the crowd. Yeah. Maybe oh, some. yeah, I don't know if you want to let that guy out of the bag yet, you. But uh, those stickers should be some pretty. We can put them in some pretty low places. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know. Uh, uh, I'll type it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I suppose I need to get uh, some more uh, blue pills, uh, free. Or, sorry, put Kevin back stickers. Those went over well. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah. Dude, yeah, we we actually I, I was handing them out everywhere, and the, the response is generally the same as long as people know the history of it. Yeah. Um, but we we went over to this is at B sides SF uh, like a month ago. Then uh, we kind of semi crashed the RSA party like malware tech and. That, that whole crew um, started handing them out there, and people were posing with the cameras and uh, specifically seeking me out to get more of them. It was a little uncomfortable. Well, hell yeah. Um, it's 7.30 now, and it's close time, so we should probably get off. Um, because it's, I don't want to have him drag on for too long, but um, yeah, thanks for everybody for coming and listening to our Sunday stream. We're trying to do more to just allow people to come and listen um, for Sunday and talk to us and anybody who wants to get involved and expand on what we said on Tuesday. Um, we're trying to do some more laid back stuff for Sundays and yeah, but we'll still be on on Tuesday and we'll see everybody here on Tuesday. If anybody has any Last words before we go. I actually got an outro uh, live scratch that I'm going to play. Okay. Go for it. Let me just uh, adjust. This might be a little soft. Let me see, quickly adjust my Discord, and then we can say goodbye. Hell yeah. Uh, let me just adjust the... Uh... Is that too loud? Now you can turn it up. Turn it up from that? Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's just go. We'll go from here. Let's go. simply pushes the starting button. Computer job, putting a button on the moon. It records progress. Gangster, computer job, computer job. Worldwide secret containment policy. In the power policy. Computer job, secret, secret containment policy. Even when you receive. This is the world worldwide computer god, even frightening it, and it makes it real to you. What? It makes it real to And it makes it real to And the usual, don't worry about it. For your setbacks, mistakes, even when you receive deadly injury. Yo. <laughs> that was sick. I like that. Yeah, that was sick. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, well, thanks, everybody. We will be back on Tuesday. So, see you then.
See you guys. Yeah.